Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Real Live Talk. I am extremely pumped and blessed that you're here taking the time to check out this episode, whether you're watching live or listening to one of the podcast platforms later, watching the rebroadcast. However, you're catching this podcast. Really, really appreciate you for being here. I hope that the content blesses you, challenges you, makes you think, something like that. And if it does, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, that would be huge. And I'd really, really appreciate that. Uh, I'm excited about my guest for today, Jonathan Galui. Did, did, I, did I pronounce your last name correctly, Jonathan? Yeah, you did. That's awesome. Most people don't, so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm very professional at what I do. And uh, no, so that, sound, that sounds pretty Italian. Is that... Uh, correct yep as italian as it gets i might not look italian but yeah it's, it's definitely italian <clears throat> yeah same here i've got one of those italian last names and i don't think people would assume by looking at me that i'm italian i'm incredibly white yeah but anyway i look uh, irish for sure i can i can yeah. drink like an irishman and eat like an italian so <laughs> i'm good <laughs> ah, well uh why don't you uh well first of all thank you for being here jonathan i appreciate you and your time and i really appreciate all that you do and uh if you if you would just kind of start off here by just telling us a little bit about who you are and what we'll do and then we'll uh, jump into some stuff yeah thank you for having me um yeah my name is john galui i i'm in florida here so if you're not in a nice sunny state um come visit us uh I started a nonprofit organization called Blue Guardian Network about a year ago, and it's focused on a proactive approach uh, to helping law enforcement officers mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We, uh, mm. we really focus on the fact that there's no one perfect way to do anything, and we try to meet the officer where they're at and to give them the tools and the skills that they need to be able to thrive in the industry that they have chosen to go into um, because that's exactly what it is. If you're going into law enforcement, you're making that choice and it's no small one. As we know, these days um, we focus on the individual officer from the inside out and uh, hopefully expanding into, you know, the spouses and the caretakers and things like that. eventually wow. as well. Wow. Yeah, there's so much there, man. I, I did not realize that um, you said that this was basically just started about a year ago. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's a, that's that, that's incredible. Um, and so you have obviously a background in law enforcement as well. Um, correct. Yeah, I did uh, five years at the city of West Palm Beach. Um, it was fun. It was challenging. It was eye opening. Um, I miss it and I don't miss it at the same time. Um, and it, it I, I left under unfortunate circumstances, but those have turned into a blessing today because now I understand why I had to go through what I went through. And it's given me um, really the passion and the, the drive to help our men and women in law enforcement today. Mm. And that's a big deal, right? I mean, when, when it comes down to police officers, uh, wanting to, you know, I, I know you mentioned peer-to-peer, um, -peer, right? When it comes down to police officers, really, and we'll get into some of the specifics about um, what you guys do and the programs that are offered and, you know, what's being developed and things like that in terms of the more specifics of how this all works. But, but, but I would imagine, I think that a pretty big part of this is 
or at least one of the elements of it is police officers essentially being able to connect with others, with other officers, with others that are also in, in uniform and that can relate to them. And there's, I would imagine that when it comes to this type of world, that there's something really significant about that, right? As far as probably a, an officer would be more willing to open up to somebody like you who's walked in their shoes and experienced, you know, the same kinds of things uh, as opposed to opening up with somebody like me um, who doesn't have experience in that area. Is, is that accurate? Would you say that that's a big piece of the puzzle there, that there's that sort of camaraderie? Yeah, the absolutely the community aspect of it is is very big. Hence the network, you know, portion of our of our mm -hmm. name. Um, and what we've noticed is a lot of the the tools that are available right now, like peer to peer, they're great in theory, but the application of it just hasn't done what we've hoped it would do, because mm. peer to peer within your department. Again, it sounds great, but it's only as good as the people that are going to use it. And we teach our kids not to give into peer pressure, but that's exactly what having the peer-to-peer -peer program inside that department is doing. You're going and sharing. You'd have to go and share some of your deepest, darkest, most intimate things to someone that has the ability to take away your credentials. And so they don't utilize it. These officers don't utilize it to the extent that they need to. And so by taking it out of that police department environment, we don't have any way of taking away their job or their credentials. All we have to do is love on them, be there with them and challenge them a lot of the times. And they can't pull and they don't want to pull the stuff that they would with traditional therapists because we have wore the uniform. And when they say something, we can relate to them or we can call them out or call them up, right? Because we've been there. And a lot of the times the officers that I meet, they challenge me because they want to see like, are you legit? Have you really gone through some of these things? And once you build their trust and once you build that relationship, I mean, it, there's no one better on your side. If you're willing to go out and defend people that you don't even know, Right. I mean, mm, yeah. I, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what law enforcement is. And so the community aspect and allowing them to be, you know, human beings and, you know, live their life and have the emotions of what they see and be able to experience that and process it as opposed to stuffing it down is what will change the industry of law enforcement um, and how our officers go about doing their job and showing up in uniform and at home with their kids and their spouses, it can be changed. And it does have community has a big part to do with it. Wow. Yeah, man. You know, I, I read something. Um, it might have been on the Blue Guardian website, but I remember reading something for an average police officer doing a, you know, with a 20 year career, there's something like seven to eight hundred uh, traumatic events that they'll experience throughout that period of time. Right. And so just thinking about the sheer number of that, as opposed to what a, per, you know, normal person might experience, you know, some people grow up in traumatic environments and things of that nature, but as far as, you know, what somebody would experience 
just in the course of their career, like in their daily life. I mean, it can be traumatic for people for sure to sit in a cubicle for 20 years. It can be traumatic for, you know, there's things like that, but it's a different level. It's a different level of trauma, you know, all those kinds of things like clock watching and the coffee's always burnt and, you know, all those little things that can kind of like weigh on your mind and, and it's kind of like that slow, it's like waterboarding, like that very, right, you know, right. whatever, right, it, for sure. but, but it's different for sure, obviously. And when we're talking about significantly traumatic experiences, whether it's, you know, a call where someone has horrific car accident or where there's domestic violence or where you are personally attacked where these traumatic experiences, they build up. And I would imagine that they even compound over time. And I'm sure different people, of course, have different ways of of either dealing with that or suppressing that or, you know, whatever that looks like. But just listening to you talk just a second ago, I mean, we look at our police officers. Well, first of all, I think that there's such a there's so much stigma now, depending on who you talk to. You know, there's people who look at police officers and and uh, because of some 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 bad apples, right, because of some horrific things that have happened that police officers, for some people in their mind, are kind of lumped into this category as like, oh, they're bad, they're corrupt, they're whatever, which is absolute nonsense. But the other side of that is that we can, you know, we tend to look at police officers as heroes or as the heroic ones or as the ones who are supposed to be brave and kind of like run into the bad situation, so to speak. And yet uh, it seems that we have... Uh, and, and again, this is anecdotal for me, but based on what you said a second ago, it seems that we have not empowered them to really be at their best, you know, to really be 100 percent when they're being called upon to go into and to be the hero and to be the one to diffuse the situation and to try to establish some form of peace where there's things that are going on that are out of control and things of that nature. And uh, one yeah. of the things you mentioned was, you know, empowering officers. This is, uh, I think, part of the maybe the mission statement of Blue Guardian Network or something like that. Empowering officers to find peace inside the uniform. And yeah, would you would you uh, talk a little bit about that and just kind of, um, you know, if you want to. I know I just talked a, a lot more than I planned on, but <laughs> but if you want to jump off on anything that I, that I said or just kind of explain a little bit about your heart, um, you know, a little, just a little bit deeper about your heart behind this and. Um, why you started this whole thing in the first place. Yeah, no, the, the trauma is absolutely right. Like 700, 800 in a 20 year career. What people don't understand is that's compound probably from some childhood trauma as well, or, you know, some trauma elsewhere. If you were in the military, you know, you could have some from that. And those are other people's traumas. Those are seeing, like you said, the car accidents and, a lot of the time it has to do with children um, that really affect us. But even when you're constantly going into other people's traumatic situations and you're hated you're on, because you are an authority, that weighs on you. And if you're not taught how to process that, if you don't have the community or the environment that cultivates healing from that, it will compound to the point where you do develop burnout, PTSD, suicide, the whole nine yards. And that's the whole thing is we can prevent that by being more proactive. Um, and that's where peace inside the uniform comes into play. Because when you listen to the news and you listen to politics and everything, they want to make all these, you know, outward symptoms go away. And 
they're still going to be there. We've been talking about the same things for years. It's when we choose to go inside of who we are in any industry. It doesn't have to be just law enforcement. Just when you decide to go in and look at who you are and who you were created to be and really start saying, okay, you know what? I don't like that about myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to heal it. I'm going to recognize the root of it. And I'm going to make a choice, okay? Because we all have free will. It's all a choice on to go a different path. And so in order, in the world of mental health, right? In order for you to help somebody else with their traumas, again, seven to 800, you must first understand your own. And it's when you understand your journey and how you process things that you're then able to see yourself in somebody else in one shape or another, right? Okay, you might be going to a call where there's a guy who's extremely angry and you might have had anger issues in the past. And now you can relate to it. And now you know how not to trigger them, how to the cool word, word in law enforcement, de-escalate the situation. Mm -hmm. When you truly understand how you process and how you deliver and present yourself, it changes the whole dynamic of those calls. It changes how you interact with people from the inside out. And honestly, Duke, we're all wearing a uniform. Every single one of us has a uniform. It's called your skin. We're all human beings. I don't care what color your skin is, what color your hair is. I got gray hair. Thank you, kids. Right? Love them to death. But, you know, we're all in a uniform. We're all showing up to do something. And when you have peace inside that uniform and you know who you are, you then treat others that same way. You still have to do your job, Mr. Officer. You still have to fight evil and take care of it. But you can do it in a manner that there's no emotional attachment. There's no animosity or hidden agenda, if you would, right? Which a lot of people think cops have these hidden agendas, quotas and things like that. No, you sign up to do a job, you go and you do your job, you do it as efficiently as you can and you process it, you take care of it and you move on. Because it's call to call, call to call. It doesn't stop. Mm. Yeah. And it weighs on you, you know, 12 hours of doing anything four days in a row. Like it's a lot. And we don't give these officers the opportunity to, we don't teach them how to process it. Number one, we don't give them the opportunity to do it. Number two, because it's always stress, get your, your report in. Right. And then number three, we're so short staffed that to take a breather, you get mm. hit with scrutiny, right? And well, so it's a really tough, tough way to live your life. Well, um, Dr. Caps uh, talked to me about that, about that whole thing about, you know, just going from one call to the next and kind of painting that picture. Because in one, you know, you might have that kind of, um, you know, that good experience, right? Where you, you go and you're helping some little old lady out with something and, you know, she's fixing your cookies and yeah, <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. like that. But then while you're there, you know, you just kind of painted this picture of, you know, getting another call to go somewhere else where now there's a domestic um, dispute going on or something like that. And like, you just, you never really know 
what you're walking into. You know, you never really know what you, what's going to happen until you get there. And when you talked about, um, you know, something that that becomes so important for police officers is that uh, that art of de-escalating things. And really, you know, I think that in in probably most situations, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, we're talking about like seconds, right? I and mean, we're talking about where a lot of times you have to make very, very quick decisions or you have to think on your feet um, in terms of, you know, just kind of like responding, but responding in the right way. And you, you talked about how was, that does a really profound thing that you said about, you know, if you're in a position where you're having to help other people, you know, either process things emotionally, mentally, you know, whatever, it's really important that you be in a good place in your own mental health, you know, a good emotional state yourself, so that you are better prepared and equipped to help people in those situations. And it just seems to me that, you know, when you're running at 60% or 30% or, you know, whatever it is, because of things like you mentioned that just the the weight of everything pressing down on you, well, I'm sure we'll get into this, but, you know, talk about home situations as well. And it's not just, you know, because again, you said we're all wearing skin, we're all humans. And uh, these people that we expect, these men and women that wear a uniform that we are, you know, expecting to always be perfect. The reality is they've got their own pressures out even outside of their their job and, and, and everything else. And so, um, you know, also... Uh, the pressure of just, you know, all, all, all the stuff, right? All pressure from all different areas weighing down. And so if you're not 100% in your mind, you know, it's just, and again, not to not to excuse those that Bad. have acted beyond, yeah. beyond the boundaries of the law and beyond the boundaries yeah. of their duty, but you can kind of see how in some situations that things have gotten out of hand and out of control um, when you're in those high pressure situations and not at 100 percent in your own, you know, in your own mind, in your own heart, in your emotional state and things like that. Yeah, well, and it's it's an educational piece, right, because you use the, mm -hmm. the famous word in law enforcement and police reform de-escalation. The bottom line is the only person or situation you can de-escalate is yourself. Wow. You wow. can't go to a call an active call and de-escalate anything. The calls we're going to are emotionally charged, right? That's mm. what we do. So if you go in emotionally charged as well, that's going to escalate anything, right? Go home and if your kids are yelling and screaming, you start yelling and screaming, it makes it worse, right? Like forget it. 100%, yeah. But if you go in and you yourself are de-escalated or calm or peaceful, right? And clear-minded, you still have that job. You're still going to have yelling kids. You're still going to have a domestic violence situation, but you're able to see things for what they are, process it very quick and take care of the situation the way it needs to be taken care of. So there's a difference between responding and taking like handling the situation and de-escalation, right? You telling uh, uh, someone that's drugged up on, you know, LSD or cocaine, hey, dude, you need to de-escalate. It's not going to happen. It's just it's like that. It's not going to work, yeah. Yeah, it, you know? So, again, the only thing you can de-escalate is yourself. You can make it worse. The presence of an officer 
in itself is emotional, right? Because wow. we all know that that represents that we did something wrong. And I don't care who you are. If you get pulled over and you are a cop, you don't like it, right? Because again, most people don't want to admit to their faults. And so if that officer approaches in a disrespectful way, it changes the whole ballgame, right? If he approaches politely, different story. But same thing with the civilian, right? If the civilian's rude, I used to say all the time, my attitude dictates how I treat you. And for the most part, it was pretty good. But that's that was the wrong approach. But that is what I was taught. The bottom line is my attitude, my demeanor, my voice, my approach is true to who I am, regardless of who's in I come across. So if I'm not going to let somebody else affect me. And mm -hmm. as an officer, that's really hard. One, because yeah. it's not a, something we teach them. But two, right, again, you have that constant trauma. Imagine a police force where there was really a very even keeled, even demeanored officer that just processes what he's has to process and then it's over and done with, right? Okay, I had to take yeah. you to jail. You're in jail, done. Dropped it, moved on, right? That's a form yeah. of de-escalation. So we got to be really careful in mm -hmm. this world and how we use certain words because they have power to kill, right? And they have power mm -hmm. to build up. And too often in our industry and honestly in our culture, people don't understand what these words truly mean. And they use it out of context. And that's where you get this like fighting back and forth. Well, that same thing can go on in your brain. And I mean, I'm sure Dr. Royster and Dr. Caps can speak more into it. Um, but if you don't have a clear definition of what something like de-escalation is, you can have an internal turmoil that causes external issues hmm. and that's ultimately what what they face what officers face a lot because it does pile up right imagine this imagine if you're a 200 pound officer and you put on your 30 pounds of gear and you go to a call and each call you add a half a pound to your vest but you never take that half a pound off well by the end of a 30 year career, how heavy is that vest going to be? How like not to mention maybe you've gained weight over a period of time, you know, chronic mm -hmm. heart disease and diabetes and that runs rampant all based off of stress and law enforcement. Right. But now you're adding the weight and the trauma. By the end of your career, you could be physically in shape. But mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you could be a 600,000 pound male or female hmm. because wow. you're carrying everybody else's junk. Wow. Is is this something that's typically talked about? I mean, you talked about even just that concept right there of, you know, me, let's just say, you know, I'm an, I'm a new officer, let's say, um, and uh, I'm going into a situation where. Uh, again, like is, is my mindset on that? I have to deescalate the situation or that I have to deescalate myself. Like, is there, is there, is this something that's, that is discussed? Is this something that the average, um, you know, police officer 
is aware of, like how to go into a situation and to be level headed and to be calm and to bring that sort of, you know, different spirit, so to speak, into the atmosphere of confusion that they're, you know, of chaos that they're walking into. I mean, is that something that is talked about as far as how to go into the like, is that training that's received or it, would you say that's something that's lacking or what do, what do you think that's like for the just the average, you know, police? Officer? I would say it's mentioned and it's definitely let's put it this way. It's definitely not discussed in enough detail and mm-hmm. and often enough. I mean, it should be constantly like drilled into these guys. It should okay. be part of it. it should, but, you know, in, in, in all honesty, the departments don't have time to do this. Right. They're yeah. <laughs> so overloaded with the practical application of their job. And like, this isn't the department's fault and any department, whether they do provide this or they don't. Right. There is so much legality behind it. And there's so many things moving behind closed doors that from evidence to court cases, subpoenas, I mean, on and on and on and on. So we can't expect our police departments to provide these types of trainings, right? These are trainings that have to be done because one, the officer wants to receive it to make them a better version of themselves and to be able to do their job in an efficient way. And two, that has to be done on their own time, right? Because there's a difference when you're sitting in a classroom setting and you are being dictated to, right? We all went through it. Most cops don't learn that way. That's why they became Hmm. cops. They don't want to sit behind a desk. They want to practically apply it. So that's where what our organization created is a very interactive way to teach these men and women how to utilize it and then coach them throughout their career. And you never stop learning ever in anything. If you think you understand one thing, right, then learn something else, go on to the next or go back. Cause I sure you, I'm pretty sure you've missed something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, 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 the argument there is, well, you know, when do we have time for it? It doesn't take a lot. It takes an hour a week for yourself to be a better version of yourself. Well, do we get wow. paid for it? Right. That's the number one thing we hear. Well, is this something that, you know, we get paid for? Cause if we're not getting paid for it, I'm not doing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you had to put a price tag on making yourself better and being a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, a better brother, uncle, whatever. And, my response to the guys with that one, because, you know, everyone says, John, you have an answer to everything. I'm like, well, because I've studied it. And if I don't, then I'm humble enough to say, well, I'll go find that for you. My sister's a teacher. I love her to death. She's a genius, right? She goes and she teaches math to sixth, seventh and eighth grade young men and women. When she's done with her job, that's what they pay her for. She goes home and grades papers for two hours almost daily she doesn't get paid for that right and those are the kids that you mr officer you mr firefighter attorney whatever right are expecting that teacher to feed your kid academically so 
that excuse of well we don't is to me mood point and it's a matter of hey do you really care enough about yourself more than anything mm. to do yeah. this work to expose yourself the bravest thing to do is to ask for help and that's what yeah that's what helped me because i was that macho guy that didn't need anything that his father told him to stuff it and toughen up there's no crying right all that stuff and that's where i got to, that's how i got to rock bottom but you don't have to stay there and you don't have to get there with all the technology that we have and all the geniuses in this world we don't have to get there it's whether or not we're presenting them with the opportunity to prevent themselves from getting there Wow. Man, I love, love what you said. Uh, the bravest thing you can do is ask for help. That's so huge. And I, I think that most people don't look at it that way. I think most people look at it as weakness. It's a, it's a, you know, for a lot of people asking for help is admitting to weakness. It's admitting that I, I, I don't have this under control. And I think pride gets involved there. And I just think, I think a lot of times fear gets involved there. I think a lot of different things get involved there, but that is ultimately such a in, incredible act of bravery to, to go to somebody else and to, re, and to recognize, look, I'm struggling or look, I can't do this on my own. And uh, that's something that every single one of us needs to do like several times throughout our lives and most of the time we don't like most of the time we try to grit our teeth and bear it we try to push through we try to push stuff down um we we try to just kind of whatever forget about it and but you know when we're talking about people that you know we're talking about police officers um people that are in the you know military um people that uh firefighters and just first responders and you know, people that are like regularly encountering things like this that can be really significantly detrimental to their mental health over time as far as the things that they're seeing and experiencing then you know even more so that obviously gets amplified even more but but yeah man i just love what you said there about the bravery that it takes to 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 admit that you do need help or that you don't have it all together or you know just to reach out for that for that next step well here's the deal there's no such thing as failure. Yeah. There is no you. such thing as failure because, and especially in law enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. When, when I see a law enforcement officer, they're not going to quit. They're not going to stop, right? They're going to, they're going to push forward military. They're going to push forward. Teachers don't just quit on the kids, even though it's a tough day. They put, we are designed to be warriors. We are designed to help and serve and when you find out and you finally embrace the fact that there's no such as such thing as failure and that it's a choice to either learn and grow or quit right you're still making a choice you're choosing that path and yeah when failure when when you lose the the, like you said, the shame, the fear, the doubt of making a mistake and you learn from it, it can't be a failure because you learned something. Yeah. So when you embrace that concept of failure doesn't exist, 
because I'm going to constantly learn and I'm going to constantly grow and I'm going to constantly reach out or help impact somebody else, your whole trajectory in life will change. Wow. Because you're no longer looking down. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. In sports is the one of the best. That's why sports are so great is because it teaches you about failure. I was a baseball guy, right? If you fail seven out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer. Absolutely. The greatest sport to teach you about failure. But if your coach is teaching you going up to that plate every single time, thinking about striking out or thinking about failing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fail. Babe Ruth, Derek Jeter, they didn't get into that batter's box thinking that they were going to fail. No, they got in that batter's box, clear-minded, peace inside that uniform, ready with intention to do that job. Wow. And did they succeed every time? No, but they took each one, each call, each at bat, one at a time. And if mm -hmm. Derek Jeter struck out, he didn't take that into the next call. No, he went back to the, the dugout, got a ground ball, whatever it was, and he got back up to that plate. So well, if we can teach athletes to do that, why can't we teach police officers, firefighters, teachers, nurses, doctors? Anybody, yeah. uh, flight attendants are getting attacked now. It's ridiculous, right? Well, yes. I mean, it's just sad. Anyone that's trying to serve somebody else to make a living has got a bullseye on their back. Hmm. It's just heartbreaking, really. It's, it's. You know, how people treat servers at restaurants. It's not just law enforcement. Yeah. Yes. It's the mindset of our country that somebody else owes them. No. No, you owe it to yourself to treat others with love and respect and empathy and compassion and kindness. And if you can't give it to others, that means you don't have it yourself. Wow. Yeah, I think we need classes on that, man. <laughs> just like humans there should be a mandatory class on empathy uh yeah. servant leadership and yeah stuff like that man but uh no that's such a beautiful analogy what you mentioned there about the about a baseball player stepping up to the plate because you know you can get into a slump and you can strike out you know seven eight nine ten times in a row but you still have to have that confidence that when you're stepping into that that batter's box i'm gonna hit i'm gonna hit this ball you know what i right. mean and and so recent history has told me that I'm that I'm not going to hit this ball, but I need to not focus on that. I need to remember who I am and and that I'm you know, that this is what I do. This is who I am and I'm good at this and to kind of have that that confidence to to keep going. I think mean, that's such a cool analogy that that flows into, you know, everything I'm thinking about. Like I, I've done in uh, I, I've worked in sales for the past several years. Um, in addition to you know what I do as a pastor, but I've I've worked in sales and I, I've I've had to do that man. Like I'm walking into a home where eight people in a row just told me no, <laughs> yeah. and now I've got to walk in and still somehow muster up the confidence to say, like no, like those 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 last eight experiences I had, like that's not that's not who I am, and I can't internalize that. I think that right. that's the thing, man, and that's what I think being able to talk. To people and to be able to have that camaraderie of other people that are like that are in a situation that's similar to yours and it's uh you know one of the reasons one of the reasons why i think your organization is is so powerful and it's going to do such incredible 
things is uh, creating those open doors for conversation and for community to take place and to to have that because if not it does i think if if i'm left to my own devices and i don't have um you know there there are so many times for me and again this is just anecdotal but but for me as a you know just working in that sales environment right uh where you know i've had to call somebody i've ha i've had to call one of my managers or somebody who's mentoring me or something like that and kind of like let them talk me off the ledge so to speak not literally but i mean kind of like remind me that okay you can get you can get back in your car and you can drive to that next appointment um because of this this and this and they'll remind me about you know the values and the reason that even the reason why we're doing things yeah. you know ultimately because if if my you know because my mindset would be i really need to make a sale because if i don't i'm not going to feed my family and I've got to somehow be able to get my mind off of that to my real goal for this is to serve people. Like my real goal for like me selling this product that I'm selling, it should be because I care about the person in front of me. It, it should be because I want their life to be better by buying this product. Right. And, and so not focused on me. And so I'd have to kind of go back to somebody and be like, you know, back to one of my mentors or back to I mean, I would listen to audios in my in my car all the time of just things that were you know, encouraging and things like that, because it was just, I had to kind of, kind of keep my mind focused on the right thing. Or, I mean, I had so many times where I was just ready to quit, yeah. but it was just, you know, you can keep going, but again, it's that, it's that camaraderie, that community um, of, you know, people that, that you can surround yourself with to, to help you and to talk you through and to walk you through those difficult times because again, no matter who we are and what we're 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 dealing with, um, there's times where we just we don't have it. We can't do it ourselves, and we do need other people. Yeah, I mean that's what organizations are, right? Yeah. Um, and when you have good training and you have good education, and you don't feel alone, the sky's the limits. And the what you described is the term in police work is resiliency right? You got to know you called your supervisor or your mentor and they re restored, you know, what you're doing and why you're doing it. And when you are resilient, you don't give up. And it's really, it's a personal choice. I think we're all resilient in some way, form or another, but who feeds you really matters. If you've got an officer or you got a supervisor in your ear and he's negative and he's burnt out or he's, you know, like that's going to come into your world. And that's with anything. If you have a sales manager that's on his way out, he's really not going to teach you how to sell this product. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car right out of college and I learned so much from that organization that I really didn't realize I was getting. I learned how to not take things personal was a huge one, right? Yeah. Which is what we don't teach that enough to police officers, to our children, to anybody, because think about it, right? You get into a car accident. Who do you yell at? Most people aren't going to yell at the insurance company because they're paying for their car. They don't right. yell at the body shop because they're the ones repairing the car. And so here you have the poor little college kid who's your car's not clean and ready, right? And you're getting 
that that's the guy that gets yelled at right wow and you have to sit there because in that industry you are promoted based off of customer service and mm. you have to be extremely satisfied to get promoted well they survey these customers if you sit there and you yell back and forth if you escalate the situation you're never going to get promoted well so that industry taught me how not to take things personal and it's not easy mm. yeah but we do that way too much in our culture period right somebody doesn't like Absolutely. what you say or how you look or what you believe in and all of a sudden they're they're wrong they're evil they're there's no one perfect way to do anything I don't care what anyone says. You show me one perfect way to do anything, right? It doesn't exist because the way you might go about doing it, there might be one perfect solution. That I agree with. There's a big difference. There is one perfect solution. But the way that Duke's going to get to that solution is not going to look anything like the way Jonathan gets to that solution. Right. And that's what I mean, right? And so with our with our platform we have cops coming in they're at different levels and different chapters of their life they might not need peer-to-peer -peer. they might need you know some dr royster getting in there and doing some hypnosis or Come trip on. yeah right <laughs> because we're going to meet you where you're at you might have financial problems all right go work with our financial advisor because that causes a lot of stress and anxiety. And so it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need some guidance. And wherever you are in, whatever stage of life you're in, along your career, we got someone that can help you. And if we don't, we'll find someone. Yes. Because they do exist. Yeah. yeah. Right? And that's anything. If you don't want to go talk to a therapist because you're struggling with your wife, or your husband, go talk to a coach. There, mm. thank you, COVID. There's a million of them out there now, right? Just Google divorce coach or marital coach or parenting coach. They're out there. If you don't trust the old old ways, the traditional ways of doing therapy, right? But there's no excuse for us not to change this. There's like Duke, your parents, my parents. They had to open up an Encyclopedia Britannica if they even had them. I don't even, you might not even remember those. I don't know. Probably some of the people. We had, we had them. We had them in yeah. my house. <laughs> I was, uh, we, we went somewhere the other day and there was a house phone and I had my kids with me and I asked my 10 year old son, I said, Hey, do you know what that is? And he's like, he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, Yeah, dad, it's a phone. And I was, and I stopped him. I said, Your kids won't know what that is. And he mm. kind of looked at me and he was like, you know, and we had a great conversation yeah. about how it evolves. And that's ultimately it. We need to evolve this mental health, you know, personal development approach to doing it because we have things like Zoom. We have things like FaceTime where there's no reason that people can't get this. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason I'm for us to wait for, you know, us to have enough money to buy that encyclopedia britannica and then finger through it yeah. you can do it we're walking around with them and so if you're willing to do the work 
if you're committed to who you are, it's not self, well, there's self-control. It's not self-care, it's self-commitment. How much are you committed to yourself well, to be the best version of yourself for you and the rest of the people in this world? Well, yeah, man, and that mentality is huge. And, and I mean, that's why, I mean, you look at the biggest people, you know, the people that have built the biggest companies, the the, the greatest athletes, the greatest whatever you, you point to, there's something that they pretty much all have in common and they have coaches, you know, they, they have coaches. A lot of them have, you know, therapists or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, however they've decided to set that structure up. But I mean, you know, the, the biggest people in the world making the most amount of money, making tremendous impact. It's like they surround themselves with people to, to help them get better. And, you know, that's an area where I think mental health, is still stigmatized in many ways where we, again, where we kind of equate it with, with being weak or we equate it with something else. And so we don't think that we need that. And again, I think that becomes a pride thing and whatever else, but, um, but yeah, man, like we, we all need that. We all need coaches. We all need mentors. We all need people to lean on. We all need people to speak into our lives. And uh, so that's just, uh, that's just huge. Yeah. My pastor says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. And I good. love it. Right. And those, those business people though, like, what do you think they're talking about? They're not always talking about business. They're talking about, you know, their character and, and how they're going to make an impact in the world and what they're going to create and how they're going to do this. They're not sitting there talking all the time about the video game or the sporting event. They're having these in-depth conversations on how to improve the culture, how to improve their, their employees' quality of life, right? I, I personally, I enjoy, I follow a gentleman by the name of Patrick Bet David. He started an insurance company and, and it's called PHP. But what he does is he develops them as people and makes them better people to then go out and sell life insurance in this case. And it's yeah. beautiful because it's person oriented. And that's what we're doing with cops. We want you as that individual, because if we can feed you and surround you with other people that have this same mindset, not only is it gonna improve your life, but it's gonna have a ripple effect out into the community that you serve and protect. Come on. Because our cops are the ones that can do the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Right. You know, I, yeah. Uh, I was talking to Christina about that, actually. Um, I'm, I'm working my way through your whole team, man. First of all, <laughs> shout out to Dr. Royster. We have more for you, by the way. Is the, <laughs> is, is, yeah, thank you. Yeah, please. Is, is Dr. Royster still, still, I know we're not going to put her, she didn't want to be on camera, but is she still there? Yeah, she's lingering around over here somewhere. Okay. Hey, Dr. <laughs> Janelle, um, thank you for, uh, for, putting this together for introducing me to, to, to John. Hey, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. Thanks for, thanks for setting this up with, uh, with Jonathan today. I appreciate you and, and everything. It's so cool to, to know you guys. Um, and shout out to, uh, Dr. Joseph Caps as well. And yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just pumped to just be kind of in the middle of what you guys are doing. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you for the platform. We appreciate you. I think yeah. you're doing amazing things and that's why I connected you to all the people and he's got a pretty powerful message. So it was really nice to listen to it over there.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking here, John, as you're talking. Do you think that okay? Would you like to see this care and support? Hey, I still got you. Yep, I'm here. I don't know what happened there. It uh, must have been good. That's what happens with technology. <laughs> I was going to say it was Dr. Royster's fault. Uh, so, somehow no, somehow fault. she came on camera. and <laughs> She's within arm's reach. Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in an Italian household. My Nana's knuckles hurt really bad. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> well, that, that gave me time to, to think about words for my question because I was struggling there. Do you think that this kind of care and support is ultimately for you? Is this something that you would like to see as something where the officer um, that it was something that was more sponsored in terms of the officer did get paid for it or where it was something that was a little bit more mandatory? Or do you think that it's good that it's something that they have to kind of seek out on their own, so to speak, and um that they aren't paid. Like, do you think psychologically for somebody um, kind of like knowing the way that that police officers think, <laughs> and this might just be a way of, you know, that humans think in general, I don't know. But there is something about, you know, if I get something for free, I, I might not value that thing as much as I would as if I had to pay for it, you know, so we could talk about I can get free education in certain ways, like there's ways that I can go about that. Uh, but if I invest my my money into something, then I'm probably going to more than likely I'm probably going to try to get my value out of it because I know that it cost me something. Now, I mean, my time is an investment as well. And so particularly if I'm somebody who values my time, then the fact of me putting my time into something I think is going to you know make me value that more to an extent. But I just wonder, because you were talking about this thing as something that, you know, again, it's something that the officer, as far as right now goes, in most cases, that that they've got to kind of seek this out on their own. And it's not directly connected to their department. And so do you think that that's good or or do you think that it's something that you would like to become more integrated in the future? How do you think, what do you think is going to be the, the most helpful way for, you know, people to actually do this and to put their mind and their heart and soul into it? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot there. Um, I'll try to make this as quick and, and, yeah. and painless <laughs> for everyone, but, and a great question. So with regards to mental health, right, it's always, it's always more impactful when the individual chooses to reach out and do it a under their own free will, their own accord, mm -hmm. says they see the value in it. Now, with that being said, word of mouth is still the best way to market. If you're adding value to someone's life, then they want to share that and add value to that person's life. But you can't force anyone to do anything. And mm -hmm. what, what Blue Guardian's vision is, is to create the standard, is to create a national standard that cannot be denied a standard that not only the officers want but civilians can get behind and so i agree with you 100 percent. if you give stuff away for free it doesn't have that type of impact mm -hmm. but there's another way to go about it a lot of people and i've got goosebumps because 
Everybody wants to be sponsored. Think about it. Everybody wants to have someone sponsor them because what does that tell them? That tells them that you're valued, that I appreciate you, that you're worth it, that putting my name behind you or on your uniform is what it's all about. And so we are going to get into police departments at some point. And it would be great if the local community would sponsor us to go in to do the work for these men and women, because that's ultimately what it's about is supporting each other. Mm -hmm. So if we're getting officers to support each other and do this work, we can't do it by ourselves. We have to have the community behind us that we are serving support us as well. And this changes the ball game, Duke. It does. It changes the ball game. It brings everybody to a higher level, a higher expectation, a higher standard. And now if you are a part of our organization, you have to represent the values that we have. Because if you don't represent these values, then you're not going to stay right? or you shouldn't stay. And that's with any culture. That's with any organization. Right. Every cop, what they say, every cop hates a bad cop more than anyone else. Right. Hmm. Well, why do we have to, why do they have to get to become bad cops? Let's get them before they get to that point. And with my team, good luck falling through the cracks. You know, Royster and Caps, right? (laughs) Wait till you make, wait till you meet Christina and Jennifer. Like, forget it. You know, there's 800 sworn police officers in the United States of America and going down, unfortunately. Say that number again. 800,000 sworn police officers. 800,000. Okay. Yeah. 800,000. If we can get to where we can feed and impact just a tenth of that, it'll all change. Yeah. Yeah, because then because then you've got i i would just imagine that the way that this works is that then they would begin to have more of an impact on those around them as well right absolutely Um, absolutely because when you get freed and when you find information or you get some knowledge what do we want to do we want to share it right we want to scream from the we want to scream from the rooftops on what we found yeah and why why can't the same thing be done with police officers why can't the police officers get the jay shetty's and the um tony robbins and the john maxwell's of the world or that type of Mm -hmm. that type of teaching that type of environment that type of culture i mean they're the ones doing the toughest job in the world and they're not getting anything sorry Times are about to change. But again, it goes back to to getting the reach. And again, like you said, pay and sponsor. Right? Hmm. I mean, you got college kids getting sponsored now. Right. College athletes are getting sponsored now to play, get a free education. And I'm all for it. I was a college athlete myself. If somebody wanted me to sponsor me through college, sign me up. 
right? I ain't going to say no. Absolutely. Why would it be any different for a police officer, a firefighter, or a teacher? My kid knows every Bass Pro Shop sponsor there is. Why aren't we sponsoring the people that we should be? Well, so, okay. So would you, would you talk a, a little bit about, um, I, I know that we're, what we're talking about here and what you guys offer with Blue Guardian Network is a really a full circle kind of approach here. You talk about mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Um, would you just, would you share a little bit more just about that and why it's so important to cover all of those areas um, when it comes to, you know, somebody's overall, overall health and overall longevity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll start with the physical side of it, right? Like I owned a CrossFit gym for many, many years. Um, mm -hmm. And just because you're physically fit, right? And you eat very well, doesn't mean that internally emotionally spiritually and, and mentally that you're okay right so yeah. you could have an eating disorder you could have a fitness addiction there are such things right because not all addiction is bad right so mm -hmm. if you are physically fit but you don't have those other three what are the chances of you breaking down what are the chances of you truly thriving at your optimal, your infinite capacity, you won't, right? You might be masking something by going to the gym 12 hours a day, right? Hmm. Okay. True. So I know plenty of people that are physically fit, but they hate life and they don't wow. know how to live life. Okay. Mentally, if you don't have the right mindset, the chances are right? Physically, you probably won't make the right food decisions, right? You might not um, listen to the right music. You might not get into the right relationships, mm -hmm. which then carries over to the emotional side of it. If you don't understand your emotions, then you can't give those emotions either. So love, right? Everybody wants to be loved, but a lot of people don't know how to love. Well, how do you, how do you not, how do you know what it is to be loved when you've never loved somebody else? And then from the spiritual side of it, if you can't look outside right now and look at all the different colors and the different trees and the different leaves, and you can't sit there and say, wow, something created this masterpiece. I don't care where you're at. If you can't sit there and visually, audibly, all use all your senses to be amazed, then you're missing out on life. Hmm. You need to go get onto a paddleboard or a kayak or go for a hike or go do something. Yeah. Because this world yeah. is absolutely gorgeous and it was created for us to enjoy. And our creator, there's no two leaves are the same. There's no two people that are the same. And when you have, it all starts with the foundation. It starts spiritually. 
If you know who you are and who you're created to be, then everything else will align mentally, emotionally, and physically. Wow. So I did it the opposite way. Mentally, I was tough, right? I, I went through SWAT. I played college baseball. I ran the gambit. Mentally, had it. But mm -hmm. that eventually wore down. Hmm. Right? Emotionally, I struggled. But I was able to control my temper. I was able to do all that. It wasn't until I was in an emotional, abusive relationship that eventually, because I wasn't emotionally stable, I got worn down. Physically, hmm. same way. It wasn't until spiritually, and this is for me, it wasn't until spiritually that I created that foundation, that I started building a concrete slab and not shifting sand. And I started building who I was designed and created to be, that all those other things, all those, the physical, the mental, and the emotional traits that I had learned really started to come into play and it started being impactful in my life and with the people that wow. I surrounded myself with and my children and my decision-making because without that foundation, it was constantly shifting sand. Wow. Wow. Now it's, it's really amazing. I really appreciate the way you describe that. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking about how, you know, when you don't have all four of those areas in some kind of a healthy place, how, you know, you, as you said, you can be really, really, I mean, even, even if I just take the spiritual side, you know, let's say um, spiritually, I'm really, really strong, but I struggle in the mental and emotional areas. What's going to happen? Like, I'm probably going to have a very unbalanced kind of spirituality. <laughs> like, and, and there's a, and there's a chance where I'm going to take my spirituality and I'm going to, um, you know, whatever, I'm going to use it to hurt people. Um, or force because, it on people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly the plate yeah. of Christianity, right? Is that you guys are yeah. very forceful. And I just say, just in general, that is yep. one of the biggest complaints is because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, when we, when we get out of, when we get out of balance and when we just kind of get out of touch with, with what people need, you know, like if I'm, if I'm not, you talked about, you talked about love there, you know, I mean, if, if that's not the foundation of my life, then I'm not representing Jesus well to anybody, you know? Like if that's not if that's not who I am, then then, uh, you know, on a very simplistic level, Jesus said, you know, hey, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And so, you know, if I don't know love and I don't know how to express and give away love to other people, like I can feel like, you know, very spiritually strong in, in my life. And then yet I'm I'm destroying people with my words or I'm, you know, doing doing whatever. You know, I mean, a lot of bad, horrible things have been done all throughout history in the name of, you know, Christianity or in the name of spirituality or in the name of, you know, religion or in the name of whatever, sure. you know, thinking that they were in this place where they were doing God's work or whatever, but completely missing out on on what that was really all about in the first place and, you know, destroying people. And it's, uh, but anyway, yeah, man, even, even on, on, uh, on another level, if I'm, I could be strong mentally, I could be strong spiritually, but if I'm 
you know, eating myself or smoking myself or drinking myself into an early grave and not focusing on the the physical side of things, then, you know, I'm not going to be around long enough to have the impact that I that I want to have here. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I appreciate you the, the way that you shared that it, it became really, really clear why all four of those areas are are so essential to have. Well, and here's the deal, place, yeah. right? here's how it works. It's kind of like what you were talking about with like sales. Like you got to know you didn't quit. There's a book out there called the power of no, right? Great book. If you're in sales, please read it. Fantastic yes, book. There's awesome. also another book called three feet from gold, right? That everybody should read. Um, when you get no's, you're getting that much closer to your yes. And when we try something, if we go to a therapist and it doesn't work, a lot of people quit. Oh, I'm done with therapy. No, yeah. that was one therapist. Go talk to somebody else, right? Or we'd go on an eating plan, right? Paleo, keto. Well, just because keto worked for Duke doesn't mean that it's going to work for Jonathan. You might have an insulin deficiency. You might have low iron. You can't, you can't cookie cutter something that works for everyone you have Absolutely. to figure out and come up with what works for you and don't quit be resilient dude if you know you're going to eat ice cream the chances are you're gonna gain weight pick your pain it's either the pain from going to the gym and being sore or the pain from not being able to get off the couch because you eat ice cream too much Come on. You might be the guy that goes to the gym so you can eat ice cream. How about it, dude? Right? That's kind of that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I might have talked about myself there. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. But yeah. don't quit. Keep trying. Try different things. Use develop a toolbox of skills. Right? Some people can wake up every morning and meditate. Other people can't do the same thing over and over again. I can't. If I wake up and I'm kind of grumpy, I go for a run. Yeah. Because I hate to run. And that gets me out of my mind. If I wake up and I'm happy, yeah, I'm going to sit there and read my Bible and I'm going to pray and I'm going to meditate because I'm in the right state of mind to do that. Yes. So the days that I go for a run, I might not get to that state where I feel that I have to sit down and read my Bible. That's okay. If I if you miss a day, guys, it's okay. Mm. But it's a matter of getting back on that horse. I might read it at night. I might only do a minute or two as opposed to 20 minutes that I usually do in the morning, right? You yeah. can have multiple modalities at your access and knowing who you are, again, peace inside the uniform from the inside out, you know what works with what. Well, wow. it's kind of like choosing the kind of pain to have, right? Like, <laughs> like if, if I'm if I'm going to get up and run or go to the gym or just refuse to eat that ice cream or refuse to, you know, eat that fried chicken or whatever, like if I'm going to do that, like that's painful. That's painful right now. It's painful mentally. It might be painful emotionally. It's painful physically for sure. 
but I'm going to choose to do that now. Why? So that later on, I'm setting myself up to avoid a different kind of pain that's really ultimately a pain that's in a sense out of my out of my control. Or, you know, we could talk about it this way. You know, I'm going to choose right now to to subject myself to the pain of talking to a friend about things that I don't want to talk about because it's weighing on me. And I'm going to choose to do that now, or I'm going to choose to go see Dr. Royster, or I'm going to choose to, you know, to do something now that is painful for me. It's painful for my pride, or it's painful for my wallet, or it's painful for my own just mentality or whatever. But I'm going to do it now because I don't want this to become something that's out of my control, uh, you know, later on in the future. Yeah. So it's kind of like choosing what kind of, you know, what kind of pain you want. Um, You know, do you want the the pain? Whenever you delay pain, it magnifies. Come on. It magnifies, right? It's good. So you get into an argument with your wife, right? Or your husband. And you choose to not find that conflict resolution where both sides win. There's pain on both sides. Yeah. And if you're not willing to to address the monkey in the room, it's going to grow. When the law enforcement divorce rate is what? What did Dr. Royster say? At an 81%? 81%. Society in general is over 50%. Sure. So when you choose to, to have that painful conversation in a in, in the right way, you no longer yeah. have to carry it. And now it's no longer painful. But that's the same thing as that wait for all those calls. If you don't have that painful conversation, you're going to add and add and add. And there's nothing anybody hates more than when you get into an argument, somebody bringing up something from the past, right? Here we go. Pick your pain. Yes. It's your choice. And I, I tell a lot of my cops this too, right? Good and evil, God and devil, right from wrong. I don't care how you put it. Which one are you going to focus more on? Because whatever you focus more on is going to grow. Absolutely. If you focus more on what the devil's doing in this world, guess what? That's what you're going to see. That doesn't mean that it this is a, disappears, right? That doesn't mean that bad goes away. Yes. It's still there, but you're not focused. You're not fixated on that, right? Yeah. If you turn and you look the other way and you say, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to add value to my life. I'm going to grow. I'm going to surround myself with people that are going to challenge me and put me in good painful positions. Right? Yeah. Now you're breaking those chains. Yes. I didn't like I had to break through the pain of not liking the sound of my own voice. Hmm. Now everybody tells me to shut up. <laughs> right? But that was a pain point for me, right? Yeah. So pick your pain, guys. Yeah. Pick, if you if you want to go home and be miserable, that's your choice. Mm. You can fix that. You can fix it. It starts with you. Nobody else. Yeah. Nobody else can change it. 
And that's where, yeah, these departments can offer this. And hopefully they do. But in the end, if you really want the impact, you do it. Yeah. No, that's so good, man. That's so good. What you focus on grows. Um, the, the way that I look at it is is influence. You know, it's like, what, what am I allowing to really have influence on me? Um, because, you know, me not focusing, as you said, me not focusing on the problem that's in front of me, it doesn't change the fact that the problem is there. It doesn't change the fact that it's real. And it's not about me denying the existence of that problem. But what it is about me doing is denying the influence that I'm going to allow that problem to have on my mind, on my heart, on my emotions, on my spiritual life, you know, on my, you know, all of that. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so it's th that, that focus thing, it's not about becoming numb to things. It's not about suppressing things or pretending that things don't exist. It's ultimately a lot of times it's about looking to a what's what's a higher reality or a higher truth something that's going to help me you know get through this because yeah it's true that i'm have uh, this is this is not me this is this is an example it's true that i'm having marital problems you know it's true that i'm having problems in in this relationship or it's true that i'm having problems on my job or whatever and we've all got those things right like we've all got something or probably several things that we could point to and say this is not going 100 percent. this is not going the way that i want it to go this is not good. Like this is not going well, but I can focus on the fact that it's not going well. And then I basically just kind of continue the cycle of subjecting myself and almost kind of in some situations, creating kind of a victim mentality in myself of I'm just stuck in this thing and it's going to continue to have this negative effect. Or I can change my perspective. As you said, I can change my focus and I can stop allowing this thing to impact me in this negative way. It doesn't mean that the problem is going to go away in the next 24 hours, but it does mean that I can change my relationship with the problem by focusing on something that's better. That's actually going to help me in the long run. Yeah. I, I mean, wow. Like that was prophetic wisdom right there. And we don't have these conversations enough. And what you just mm. reminded me of is there is a process to this, right? We try to talk mm. about the process, you know, where the truth, right? Yes. So the truth is always going to be the foundation, right? That truth for you and I is who we were created to be in the Bible, right? But the problem is, is the world doesn't operate from that position. The world mm. operates from brokenness, right? <laughs> or from the behavioral actions. So how do we go backwards from actions to truth? We don't talk about this enough, right? And this is what you're seeing play out every single day. Okay. Actions are dictated by behaviors. Behaviors are dictated yes. by emotions. Emotions are dictated by thoughts. Yes. Or beliefs and beliefs are dictated by truths. Mm. If your truth is aligned with your thoughts and aligned with your emotions and your behaviors, your actions will be that of, let's say, love. <laughs> right. If they're programmed the wrong way, then they're going to be the complete opposite. Wow. So where on that where on that spectrum do you need to work? Right. The truth never changes. You're created perfectly and wonderfully, period. You're here for a reason, period. 
but what belief systems were instilled in you? Come on. Right? If that belief That's system is wrong, then your thoughts are going to be wrong. If your thoughts are wrong, then your emotions are going to be negative. If your emotions are negative, your actions are going to be negative. You're going to rob. You're going to fight. You're going to whatever. They're going to be negative. We all know what negative is. If your truth is your truth, your beliefs are right and aligned or healthy, then your thoughts will be healthy. Your emotions will be healthy. And then your actions will be the same way. It's not that hard. You just have to be willing to look at yourself and do the work from the inside out. I can't stress well, it enough. Come on. It's your own journey. You're the only, isn't it funny that we're our worst coach? We all want somebody else to coach us. We all want a discount when something goes wrong, but when we screw up we don't ask ourselves for a discount we don't ask ourselves for a redo no we blame everybody else yeah it doesn't make sense yeah how many people today listening to this need to give themselves a a refund a do-over <laughs> i know i do i need Come a daily on, especially for with sure. kids right <laughs> yes forget it right like i need redos all the time and that's when you can live from a place of grace and not good intentions. Oh, man, that's so good. I love everything that you just said there, that progression of the way things um, work, the way you reverse engineered that. And it kind of starts on this level of what I've accepted as truth. Right. So um, what I've accepted as, yeah, what I've accepted to be true. So and, and that might be something incredibly negative. That might be something that says, you know, um, that I'm I'm. I'm not good enough or uh, I'm never going to amount to anything. You know, you're a kid, you start hearing those things or, you know, I, I remember I talked to Dr. Royster about this a little bit when, uh, when she was on um, a few weeks ago and about how, when she was growing up as a kid in an abusive home situation, just feeling like this is normal. Like probably everybody goes through this because it was, it was her regular experience um, to just be, you know, being beat up, to have fingers broken, to be punched, to be, you know, all, all that kind of stuff and feeling like, well, that's normal. That's, that's what happens. And so I think you start to internalize stuff like that. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, yeah. so this is what I deserve. This is what's normal. And then, so that begins to form this thing on the inside of you. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that leads to, yeah, I believe that about myself. I believe that I deserve to be mistreated. And then so what do I do now? I carry that into relationships and and to an extent I might even be subconsciously but inviting that kind of behavior, putting myself into relationships that are negative in nature because I feel like I deserve to be taken advantage of or to be mistreated. And so I kind of unintentionally and subconsciously, but I subject myself into those environments that begin to have that negative uh, effect on my life because to me it's it's normal. And, and that's huge, man, because I think that that's what our, and I don't know if Dr. Royster's still in the room or not, because I know she's, I, I, I'm nervous to talk about this kind of stuff because it's, I'm not a professional in this area, but like, I think that our subconscious mind works on that level of trying ultimately to keep us safe, to keep us in a state of, you know, the normal status quo, the normal flow of things. And so my safety net might be that, 
which is really a twisted thing. But my safety net might be to be mistreated in relationships because that's yeah, what that's I've accepted default, as normal. Is, right. You're defaulted to that. Sure. Default. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of like that autopilot type thing of, of my life. And uh, that can be changed. But it's I, I think that it has to be changed intentionally. And, it, and it's got to get to that point where you say, you know what, like I've I've got to I've got to make a, a shift here. And I tell people as a pastor that, you know, the best place to start when you want to when you recognize that there's something that you've accepted and it's at a foundational level in your heart or your belief system that's affecting the way that you think and ultimately the way that you emote and treat people and all that kind of stuff. Like as you as you're talking through that progression of things. Um, start with the word of God, start with what does God say about you? You know, yeah. so expose that lie for what it is, root that thing out of you. So if you, yeah. you know, that's not consistent with what God thinks about you. That's not consistent with what the word of God says. That's not consistent with the way that God created you and designed you in the first place. He designed you. And when he designed you, he got done at the end of the sixth day. And he said, this is very good. That's who you are. That's it's not, you know, you're not who you are just because of the experiences that you've had in your past. And people mistreated you, took advantage of you, bullied you, belittled you, abused you, whatever. Then, like, unfortunately, it's it's so twisted because the way that our mind interprets that so often is this progression of, well, that's what I deserve and that's who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. That was a bunch of stupid people or, you know, misguided people or confused people that were taking their insecurities out on you or whatever. And, you know, ultimately it left you in this place where you are now and you're not seeing yourself the way that God originally created you and designed you to be. And so get back to that. I just think as a starting point, you know, I think it's helpful. Get back to what does the, the one person whose opinion matters more than anybody else, God, because he's created you, you know, what does... What's in his heart for you? What does he say about you? What does he think about you? Because it's so different than, than what man says. Well, uh, absolutely. And this is what people need to know. This isn't easy. <laughs> this is hard. That's right. That's right. Okay. When I hit rock bottom, that wasn't hard. The hard part was coming out of rock bottom. It was yes. the hours that nobody saw me crying in church, at a church, to my mom, to my friends, in front of my kids. It was the hours of journaling and writing and praying. It was the hours of long walks or long drives. It was the hours of battling the voices inside my head. Come on. It was the hours of the crap that was coming at me, what seemed like never ending. The second I thought I was in the clear, something else came and something else came. It wasn't easy. It still isn't easy every day. Yeah. But I have the intention. I have a vision. I have purpose. And I stay focused and true to that. And I surround myself with as many positive situations, but it's not easy. I don't yeah. want everybody to think, think that, you know, wow, John, you sound so, you know, smart and so wise and, you know, no, I'm not. I just went through it and I chose not to quit. I chose, I challenged God. If you can do what you've done 
with me up to this point with anger and shame and doubt and fear and pride and ego. What can you do with me with love and joy and peace and kindness? That's so good. And it still got worse. It didn't get easier. But he said, okay, here you go, bud. Psalms 5110 is my life scripture. It's created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Yeah. And to me, I believe that that is the ultimate transformation scripture in Bible. And it works for anybody that's trying to change anything. Because if it's not changed in your heart and in your spirit, it don't matter. You hmm. won't embody it. Right. They say our words are the actions of our heart. Yes. Well, are you cursing at your kids? Probably. I have. I do. But I catch myself and I correct myself. Are yeah. you calling your spouse a name either to their face or behind closed doors? You still got work to do. Are you calling yourself a name? I'm not worthy. Right. Created me a pure heart of God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Wow. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Because, you know, everybody asks me, like, John, what is it like on the other side? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't really know how to explain it. I said, but the greens are greener and the water is wetter. <laughs> and they're like, what the hell does that mean? I'm like, I can't explain it. I can't describe it. But come along this journey and I'll do it with you. Yeah, man. Because even the bad stuff, there's opportunity in. There's 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 something new to create or to grow. Right? The water's yeah. wetter. I don't know how to explain that, but I feel it. Right? I know. It sounds crazy. But if I'm crazy, I don't want to be normal because I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I did everything that society said to do. I checked every single box. And was miserable. Yeah. You tell me. Right? It's not crazy, man. Because when you're when you're living in that place of misery, or you know, again, as a pastor, I teach a lot on on uh you know, something that I would call condemnation or you know, something like that. Like when you're living under, I, I call it a, a cloud of condemnation, you know, and that shows up in so many different ways. Um Condemnation is basically a it's a death sentence against, you know, where, where you're basically accepting the fact that you you don't you don't deserve this. <laughs> so for whatever reason, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like a, a self judgment kind of a thing. And so if you're if you're living under that, you're living under some kind of misery, some kind of depression, some kind of whatever, where you're just going through the motions of life, but you're not, you know, you don't focus because you don't have time because your mind is so busy dealing with other things like putting little fires out in your mind all the time. And uh, it's exhausting and you don't have time to focus on the little details of life and how wet water is. You don't have time for that. You don't have time to think about how green the grass is like it just that's not it's not part of life because my my life is so wrapped up in this internal conversation that I'm constantly having with myself of you know whether it's you know, again this works on different levels and I don't want to be and I don't say that to belittle what anybody actually you know is going through 
sure. um, because whatever they're going through is real. You know, sometimes it works on a, on a, on a lower level, like a pity party type thing, but sometimes it works on a very, you know, a, on a much deeper level of depression or something like that. But whatever it is, you know, when you're wrapped up in that, that internal dialogue, you know, like you're wrapped up in that internal conversation about, you know, either why you're not good enough or why life sucks or whatever it is, you just you don't have time to focus on those small details, which really make life enjoyable and fun and where you get to really experience the joy in life that you're talking about. What you just described is, is trauma, right? When you're mm. in a traumatic state, that's what you're living, right? It's the same thing as being out on the ocean in the middle of a storm. What does that sound like? Right? Yeah. That's trauma. There's a constant. Don't care about how wet the water is. Right. When you're in a storm in the ocean. <laughs> you might be in the ocean. It doesn't matter if you're in the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian. You're still yeah. in a storm. So what are you going to do to stop the storm? For our organization, that's Royster. Dr. Mm. Royster will take those guys that are struggling. Maybe it's from childhood. Maybe it's from PTSD, from war, whatever it may be. And she stops the storm for him. But you're still stuck in the middle of the ocean. Wow. You're still out there. So what's next? Well, it could be Dr. Caps. It could be our weekly calls. It could be coaching with me or Christina or Jennifer. Right? It could be a combination of them all. And it's okay. How many people do you need to help you row that boat to get back to dry land? Well, wow. how long are you going to row for? You might be rowing. I, I seen, I know people that have had worse stories than I have, and they rowed back to row, got themselves back to shore like that. Mm. Where me, it seems like it took a lot longer. Doesn't make any difference. I didn't yeah. stop rowing. And there's some people that are going to take longer than I did. And that's okay because there's plenty of people, there's plenty of organizations in this world that will sit there and row with you. You're not in it alone. And then what do you do when you get back on dry land? Do you forget all those other people that are out in the storm? I hope not. Come on. I hope not. I hope we haven't taught you to forget about the officers that are still in once you wow. retire. I hope you become a mentor. I hope you join our alumni association and get, continue to feed and provide your wisdom and knowledge. And that's why colleges have alumni associations, right? They want your money and they want you to stay connected. Wow. What do you do when you get on drive? Man, man, that's so good. Oh, it's so good. Brother, we are, um, I think we're, we're over 90 minutes. Uh, before we run out of time, I, I want to just make sure that we um, that we're thorough in, in what we've we've mentioned as far as Blue Guardian Network. Um, so first of all, people can find that BlueGuardianNetwork.org, right? Um, but uh, and you've you've mentioned some of the different areas um, that you guys provide support in. We mentioned peer-to-peer uh, -peer support, pastoral support. Uh, support for spouses, which I remember when I was talking to you on the phone a month and a half ago or whenever that was, that that was one of the things you mentioned to me that I got really, really pumped about that the fact that you guys, uh, that that's a focus of your um, curriculum and education and support here is providing su support for spouses because 
uh, I feel like that's an area that often gets neglected, you know, because, you know, a lot of organizations are, are, are focused on the law enforcement officers or the first responders or the, you know, whoever it is, but, uh, which of course is, is, um, is, you know, that's their, that's their purpose. That's their mission. But I love the fact that part of your mission is, is also focusing in on the support for spouses. And obviously it's so needed and so important based on, you know, even just based on that one statistic that you mentioned, like 81% divorce rate among uh, law enforcement officers is just, I couldn't even, I couldn't, when, when Dr. Royster said that, I couldn't wrap my head, or it might have even been Dr. Caps. It was like both of them together, they were talking about it. But I couldn't even wrap my head around it when, when I heard that, because it was, it blew my mind. I had no idea that it was that high. And, um, you know, it's just that's just an area that is so important. And the fact that you guys um, are are focused on that as well as providing that support, um, because, you know, again, it, it's it can be I, I just imagine that, you know, after coming home from, you know, 12 hours on the job and, you know, again, you might be two years or five years or 10 years or 20 years in and it's like all of this stuff that accumulates over time. And then just that day that, you know, whatever you might've gone through that day and then you get home and I'm, I'm sure there's this mindset of wanting to protect and shield your family from the trauma that you experienced and not wanting to bring that home. But then if your family, you know, particularly your spouse doesn't, doesn't know about that, doesn't have any idea what's gone on or what you've gone through. And, you know, we talked about how, um, when foundations are not laid properly, that we can ultimately end up taking our frustrations and our anger out on people that don't deserve it. And so I just think that that's such an important, um, you know, aspect of what you guys do as well that uh, that I really appreciated. So uh, would you take a minute and, and speak into that a little bit? Yeah, thank you. Actually, it's uh, it's something that, you know, I think a lot of hopefully your viewers and just citizens in general kind of can wrap their minds around it is a lot of cops, when they go home, they don't want to talk to their spouse about what they encounter because they don't want to hurt them. They don't want to impact them the same way it's impacted. They're, they don't want to impact their loved ones the same way it's impacted them. And so what they do is they don't talk about it, right? And then very slowly, again, over the course of time and the number of years, these officers, as it builds and builds, they then start to isolate themselves. They start paying more attention to video mm -hmm. games. They find ways to not have to interact on that level. And then what they originally decided or tried to do, which was protect their family, they ultimately hurt their family. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing they want to do. But then at that point, they're so far into it, they don't know what to do. And I think a big portion of it is, is being able to educate the spouses and the children when they're of age, what daddy is experiencing in the context that they can handle. So when their dad or their mom, their family, their loved one, that's an officer comes home, they're able to understand and give some grace and give some empathy, knowing that that officer is still getting fed on our platform on how to love and cherish their wives or husbands and children. Mm. So yeah. we're able to take that stress and that pressure off of the officer because the, the truth is not everybody can be married to a cop. 
it takes a really special person to be married to a police officer, yeah. a veteran, a military guy, right? It really is. There's a reason why mm -hmm. a lot of cops and firefighters marry nurses, right? Because it's very similar industries. But when you have zero education, when you have zero support, when you have zero knowledge, you're setting them up for failure. And that's just unacceptable when we can prevent it. It all mm. can be prevented. Does that mean that we're going to get rid of the divorce rate? <laughs> no way. But it sure shouldn't be 81%. 81, yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, that's just ab absurd. And that's, that's why keeping them separate, the police officers, our platform, are two different. The police officers are on one platform. It's only for them. The spouses and the children and the caregivers are on a totally different one. And that allows mm. both groups or all the groups to really sit there and be open and honest with themselves and with their community, right? Because the last thing a wife is going to do is complain about her husband or vice versa when they're all on the same platform, right? But I'll tell you right now, it's better for, you know, a significant other to complain to one of our coaches or talk to one of our therapists than to go to their mom and dad or go to their brother and right. sister because that's one of the problems with relationships. If yeah. my you go and talk to my mom and my dad and you say something bad about me, guess who they're going to defend? Me. I'm their child. Yeah. I'm their blood. Yeah. Right? So we do that ourselves. We go tell our parents, oh, my wife did this or my husband did that. Well, they're always going to defend you. They're always going to be on your side. So they're not the right place to dump that junk. Come dump it on us because we won't personalize it. We don't, it's, we're not married to them, but we'll help you process it. We'll help coach you through it. We'll give you options. We have relationship counselors too, right? And that's what it's all about is, again, it's the education. It's being able to be in community. It's being able to open up so you can receive that healing and that that next step to move your life along in a direction that will benefit everyone. And in the end, look, in the end, if the marriage isn't supposed to be, then so be it. Hopefully you can part ways amicably, right? Doesn't happen very often, but you know, the chances are of that happening if you're both doing this work are pretty few and far between. And here's the difference. And I'm not putting down, you know, marriage counseling by any means. So if you're in marriage counseling, go. But the reality of the fact is that marriage counselor is trying to bring you guys back together. Because if he doesn't or she doesn't bring you back together, then he doesn't have a practice. Right? That practice goes away. But if you're working with someone where we're trying to make you the better ver best version of yourself and they're trying to make themselves the best version of themselves, the chances of you guys growing back together are very, very high. Mm. Now, again, that's why there's more than wow. one way to, to do this. Wow. Whew. 
All right, man. Last question here. And it's, uh, I, I hope it's not too, too much of a, of a big question. Um, I was just thinking if you could give kind of a snapshot of your kind of ultimate goal, like the big picture goal for Blue Guardian Network. And I know we're basically a, about a year into this, you said, into this journey of this organization. Um, what would you say is kind of like your big picture goal? Um, and then uh, maybe a snapshot as well on a smaller scale of kind of like day to day and what the what the focus is um, of the organization. Um, big picture goal is to be the mental health standard for law enforcement in the nation. Um, well, wow. for everybody to every officer to be required um, to go through and be a part of our organization to the point where they want to do life with our organization. The small, the smaller day-to-day operation is, is developing the team that has the right mindset to put out the best product, the best service, the best environment for our men and women in uniform. It's not about profits. It's about the outcome. It's about providing what is needed at that time and knowing that it's going to constantly evolve and always being there for the men and women. So having an infinite mindset of we're going to continue to develop and put out the best we have. And if it's not, we're going to make it better. We're going to constantly improve. We're going to constantly expand and we're going to constantly create and develop so that these men and women aren't left behind. Not one, not one. So good. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you, Jonathan, for being here. Thank you for your time. Thanks for doing this. And I appreciate you and your team and and the work that you're doing. It's, um, it's so incredible. It's obviously, it's such an understatement to say how needed that it is, but, um, but I I appreciate you, um, again, and it's just been, it's been cool. It's been a fun conversation and, uh, and I, again, I appreciate it. It went longer, I think, than we both expected, but, but thanks for sticking around. Thank you. This was fantastic. I had a blast and thank you for, uh, for having me. It was awesome. Good, man. Well, let's, um, let's keep it going and anything that I can do to, you know, in the future to be of support for, uh, for what you guys are doing. Um, just let me know. And, uh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you everybody for listening, watching, whatever. Thanks for taking the time to check out this conversation. Hope that it blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you in some way. I'd love to hear from you if it did, even it, or if it didn't, if you disagree, if whatever, that's fine too. Uh, but, I, but again, I do appreciate you guys, uh, for just, for being here. You're amazing. Hope you guys have an awesome rest of your week. And uh, Jonathan, bless you, my friend. Thanks again. You as well. Thank you. Bye, everybody.